0: Welcome to another Booch News Podcast with Ian Griffin.
1: So today I'm on the phone with Charlotte of Yaya Kombucha in Amsterdam, Holland. Hi, Charlotte. How are you?
0: Hi, I, uh, Ian. I'm, I'm very well. How are you?
1: Oh, doing great. Thank you. I was curious to know, Charlotte, how... Um, Your company, Yaya Kombucha, in Amsterdam has responded to the COVID-19 pandemic and what you guys are doing to uh, keep the kombucha flowing to customers.
0: Yeah, well, that's a a very interesting question uh, indeed. Um, Well, today is is May 26th. And um, on Monday, June 1st, uh, we'll actually have a reopening of all the cafes and restaurants here in Holland. Uh, so it, it, in this week, we're very, very busy preparing all the orders for uh, reopening of our clients. But I have to say that the yeah, the past weeks or the past months has been, yeah, quite challenging. Um, so... Uh, Our first, like, uh, day of the lockdown was on March 12th. And, uh, yeah, from that day on, like, the first couple uh, weeks, I would say, uh, was just complete silence. So um, the first period of, yeah, uh, our lockdown in in Holland was uh, quite challenging. Uh, We didn't know what to do. All the orders uh, were canceled. Our clients would close their doors. And, uh, yeah, it was just very, very... Uh, silent Uh, the first weeks were just very unreal Um, but after these first weeks we um, yeah we we launched uh, um, a new product which is uh, our kombucha in can and uh, we launched it uh, with some retail clients but also with uh, our new online workshop and this is something we kind of planned to do but uh, now became a necessity and uh, I guess that that gave us also like the, yeah, new, uh, yeah, positive reason to to go on and, uh, yeah, and, and, and fight these uh, challenging uh, challenging times for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, in fact, I'm looking on your Instagram and, and you've got a, a picture there of uh, five or six cases of cans that you delivered to doorstep. <laughs> so you, you did do yeah. that kind of uh, drop off delivery way definitely you people would, yeah and and you you had some business coming through that kind of home delivery entity. oh
0: yeah we we've actually been um like happily surprised with how people uh could easily find us like i mean we've we've been around for a couple of years now in holland so people i guess uh, know yaya kombucha now but um yeah they know it from their favorite uh, lunchroom or coffee bar or maybe a uh, store uh, but we didn't like know if people would find us directly uh, in our webshop, and uh, we've been like yeah, positively so, so, um, um, a little bit overwhelmed as well with the positive feedback. It's also been very nice um, to yeah to interact with people directly uh, because uh, for for all these like past years, you've been focusing on building your business and and uh, producing. And uh, like uh, our product leaves our brewery on a pallet and we never really see like, um, yeah, the, the end uh, consumer. So, so the mm. actual kombucha drinker. And this has been very uh, fun, uh, yeah, to, to be able to yeah, communicate with every individual and also get their feedback sometimes through mail or sometimes, uh, of course, social media. So, yeah, it's been an overall very positive uh, experience.
1: Yeah, well, that's great, and I'm glad you're coming out the other end of it. And uh, as you say, when the cafes and uh, restaurants open uh, uh, June 1st, um, I I did want to ask you, uh, Charlotte, about, you know, I should mention to anybody listening to the podcast, the reason I uh, kind of heard about you was because last September they held uh, Berlin, um, was the host of uh, an organization in Berlin, put on a kombucha summit. And you gave a great presentation on 20 things nobody told you when you opened a kombucha company. If anybody listening <laughs> wants to see that presentation, just go to YouTube, search for Yaya Kombucha, and you'll see a yellow um, homepage or screen where there's the talk that you gave in the last half an hour. And in that, you talked a lot about the challenges of all of the things that nobody told you, like how physical the work would be, um, how many competing (laughs) demands on your time. Both you and your partner, Tom, started the company when you still had day jobs. But looking back, and that was, (laughs) what, three three years ago, I think? Um, Looking back at the last three years, if you could share maybe one or two Lessons If somebody listening to this is in the same position as you were in 2017, mm-hmm. still have day jobs, still starting a kombucha company, what would be the one or two things that would really have saved you a headache and time if you'd have done them from the beginning rather than learning as you went along?
0: I guess it's, um, um, well, it's 2020 now. Uh, Tom and myself, we started uh, homebrewing, so that was a very different experience of course than um yeah than having an actual brewery outside of your home space and uh like our approach has always been uh like a step-by-step approach so uh we would um yeah do literally everything and you're completely right when we started uh, yeah, yeah. so when we've um, after some years of home brewing and experiencing different styles of kombucha and different flavors and kind of deciding together what we wanted to do and uh, bring out uh, yeah to everyone here in Holland um, yeah we decided in 2017 beginning of the year so that's a little over uh, three years ago now is that we decided to yeah start our first like actual brewery brewery space, and it was very, very small. It was, yeah, literally, like, the size of a living room. Uh, it was very small, and, uh, yeah, we, we could have uh, maybe, like, made a business plan and, uh, yeah, decide for ourselves uh, to to get a lot of money in and to, uh, yeah, build a big brewery from the start. Uh, but our approach has always been to, yeah, to do it step by step. We were both, like, like, um, yeah, had a very different career path before we were, um, um, yeah, working in the drinks industry. So for us, it's been very helpful actually to uh, to not get like a lot of money in in the beginning and you know um, doing everything uh, at a large scale from the from the from the start, uh, but but take it on step by d- uh, step and learning by doing basically. And and from that approach, um, I guess now we very much profit from having uh, experience in like how to handle machines how to scale up uh, not a business not just a business but uh, actual kombucha so uh, with that I mean the drink Um, like from everyone who's been brewing a batch at home you know you can uh, brew a batch and uh, of kombucha and from that batch you can create a starter and um, yeah, grow well, a new batch of kombucha, or maybe even a bigger batch of kombucha, and that is basically what we've been doing from yeah the, the past three years. So people um, ask us, so like, how do you have like eighteen thousand liters of kombucha ready in your brewery? Like, how have you uh, been able to to make and brew that much uh, kombucha? And uh, we literally uh, began with like a four liter. Uh, jar of kombucha and then the next time you would try and make a batch of 20 liters and then a 40 liter batch and then 60 and then 200 uh we did that for a uh, for yeah a couple months and yeah. uh, and then the first thousand liter batch etc cetera, etc cetera.
1: the lesson i'm hearing from you is don't think you have to jump in at a huge scale and it sounds like as you went step by step it was pretty much the whole business grew organically, just as the volume of kombucha went from four liters to twenty liters to now eighteen thousand. Exactly. 000.
0: Exactly. Was it
1: completely self-funded then? You didn't have to take in any big investment to get to well. The I machine. guess like
0: there's there's um, um, <laughs> there's pros and cons with everything, right? <laughs> yeah. So our step by step approach has been. Meant also uh, meant that we yeah we we took like no holidays for years uh we worked like you said uh, double jobs uh we took evening shifts weekend shifts um like was really really hard work uh, still today uh but looking back at it we're yeah like you said very um yeah i'm i'm very happy we took on that organic pro- uh approach and organic growth because uh, we learned from every step, you learn something. And I guess now we, we have so much experience that we, yeah, I mean, you, you can buy experience, right? So you can get a yeah. lot of funding, but you cannot buy the experience of, um, yeah, brewing uh, a naturally fermented product. You cannot yeah, well, buy the great. experience of growing a business um, like that. Uh, yeah, and, and, yeah. and yeah, the drinks industry in, in general.
1: That's great to hear, Charlotte. And, I mean, a lot of the details of your growth in terms of production and the things you mentioned in the video that I referenced, for instance, include you eventually learned it's great to have a, a floor where you can drain liquid rather than having to mop it yeah. up every day endlessly. And yeah, those yeah, are the yeah, kind yeah. of things
0: exactly. that came
1: with experience. <laughs> One of yeah, the things I was curious about was in the video you mentioned, I think at one point you like starter liquid is of course crucial and and uh, other brewers had told you that when you start in this business, kombucha, you mm-hmm. will sell out now that raised the question to me is mm-hmm. how did sales you, you 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 focused a lot in that video on production, but how did sales happen i mean you uh, were you the first in Amsterdam and it was just an untapped Uh, demand for it that you were able to continually fill, or how did you get from, uh, you know, maybe selling to one store on a – I can imagine you in Amsterdam putting the bottles on the back of a bicycle and cycling, but maybe that's dramatic. (laughs) Um, But uh, now you're selling – now you're moving – I've done that. that. (laughs) How how did you move the sales side of it? Yeah.
0: So I guess – Uh, Yeah, similar to like as part of this organic growth strategy, um, sales and and, and marketing for that matter will be a very like yeah grassroots approach as well. So we figured if we uh, could uh, bring out like a product that people would really love, that was very different and that people will get back to, that we would uh, maybe grow like a small fan base and maybe that fan base could grow bigger. And uh, that's, yeah, kind of what we've done. So all the way in the beginning, I literally made a list of uh, 20 of my favorite cafes and restaurants, not just in Amsterdam, where we're based, but also in different uh, cities uh, around the country. And uh, yeah, I I contacted all these 20 businesses and uh, I had a bottle of kombucha with me without a label at the time. I had an iPad with a picture of what it would look like and uh yeah i would do uh yeah we're, we would explain our story and uh explain what kombucha uh, was because a couple of years ago and i guess we were the first or one of the first um in europe um people would know like uh, a kombucha from the 90s but uh it's definitely not the same as the established market in in the us today so kombucha uh, e- even now but especially a couple of years ago was completely new to a lot of people And, uh, of course, a lot of people would think it would uh, uh, taste interesting (laughs) and maybe smell a little weird. Uh, It was very difficult to pronounce. So, yeah, it would take, like, a a lot of uh, time and effort and especially a very personal approach to do sales, so to say. So from the beginning, we've always done it ourselves. Uh, Still today, we don't have anyone in our sales team, or basically we don't have a sales team. We don't have anyone on marketing. Um, So, yeah, we we completely focused on the uh, production side of things and product and basically try the product, uh, for the product to to sell uh, itself. And uh, and also, which is very challenging in uh, kombucha uh, production, um, or at least if you want to do like a naturally fermented product, um, yeah, at one point you're completely right in in, in in what you asked me is at one point uh, you'll probably run run out, and um, you'll you'll have to make that de- decision if you're going to use that uh, starter to make like a new uh, batch of kombucha and and grow your production and scale it up, or if you're going to bottle it and sell it. Um, so uh, fortunately, we don't have these issues uh anymore uh but I would say like in the beginning, so our first, maybe second year, we had one two maybe three times, so where where it was very, very tight <laughs> and yeah. uh yeah, and even, uh, even some clients we had to say like uh, we have to, to uh, yeah, we have to put you on hold for a little bit, and uh maybe after a month or maybe two months. Uh, we can take you on as a client. And uh, in my experience, if you explain this and if you explain why your pr- uh, production needs to scale up and uh, you have to wait for it to ferment for maybe a couple weeks, people will, uh, yeah, respect that.
1: In the um, spirit of your own, um, it sounds like, your organic growth both in production and sales, I've written a mm-hmm. couple of articles recently in Boots News very much around branding. And I'm curious because I got the impression you had a background in social media, uh, probably with uh, your Instagram and everything looks very nice. Did you you design uh, the bottles? You changed at one point from putting the label sideways to up front and changing (laughs) the colors. I think you said you chose vintage bicycle colors. Were those all your own choices or did you work with like graphic designers and agencies?
0: So for for both uh, Tom and myself, we had a different uh, yeah uh, employer before we we started uh, Yaya. Obviously, um, uh, Tom worked for Adidas. That's actually how he discovered kombucha, traveling to the U.S. a lot. Um, and myself, I used to work uh, in in media, uh, specifically social media. Um, I worked for a lot of yeah, big media buying companies and also Vice Media, for example. So we both have an understanding of what is branding and how you can, yeah, uh, present your brand to a specific audience. Um, So this is something uh, right in the beginning uh, with uh, some friends who we used to work with as well. So uh, some designers and people who have a very good eye for how how to bring an idea to life, so to say, and make it uh visually uh interesting and, and standing out. Uh, we work with them on the on the name, so that's where uh, where we decide um, we we decided on calling our brand Yaya, which in a lot of uh, different languages means something like mother or a caretaker or even egg. Uh, so that completely, completely makes sense with, um, uh, with a mother culture like like kombucha uh, but but even more than that, yeah, yeah for, for us stands for something that is very like happy and very enthusiastically um, uh, and yeah, yeah in Dutch um, it, even in english I, I, I would say that if you're very excited about something and you talk with one another mm. uh, you'll say yeah 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 ya yeah, ya yeah. And uh, exactly. that is something, yeah, and that's something we wanted to, um, yeah, to communicate. And uh, we hope people feel like that if they if they um, interact with our brand or drink our product. So, um, yeah, in the beginning, we were like, okay, so what should it, uh, uh, yeah, become like? And uh, we decided on do one of these, uh, um, uh, how do you call them? The, the stickers stack like, on top of the cap. Uh, we We, oh, wow. we liked to, to, to add that little bit um, a neck label um, also we decided on yeah get get like inspiration from vintage bikes and other cool things that we yeah that we like and that we appreciate uh, in i guess culture um, and yeah, we wanted to see if we can uh, add that to our our brand and our drink and uh, I guess that's what we've done also step-by-step step in, in our uh, branding and the photography you've seen and even, like, the design of our camps. Uh And it is something, like, I'm not a designer. Tom is not a designer. Uh, so we have great people around us that uh, help us with that. But it's al- always, like, um, yeah, an idea you come up with and, and uh, we get help with visualizing it and uh, making it work.
1: <laughs> that's wonderful. Um, yeah, yeah, that's good to hear. And, again, it shows um, – where your commitment to the whole company came from, uh, very much self-generated, which is not to say other companies are wrong to hire agencies, but um, mm-hmm. I think your, your, your organic growth your commitment and obviously the extensive investment of time seems to have paid off. But you have recently, I don't know how long ago, uh, for many years, maybe a couple of years, it was the two of you, but you now have, I think you have another Brewer uh, and operations and the quality control manager. I think there's five of you now in the company. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. And and so you said those um,
1: people found you. So and, <laughs> have you got any advice for you know found people like yourself? Maybe one or two people found a company to bring other people in. What was that yeah, like? Yeah, sure. To
0: you? So yeah, like like you said, Tom and I. We we started off with the two of us um also with the uh, great help of some friends and my dad on sundays and yeah at some point you just need like a, a team that comes in from monday to thri- friday and not just evenings and, and weekends i guess and um yeah what what we've um what we've experienced and uh, actually i've i've myself experienced this before as well when i worked in a media company and also for Vice I headed up a team of of 18 or or sometimes even 20 people Uh, so pretty big teams of of young uh, social media experts of content managers etc and uh, it was usually uh, all about like forming a great team uh, of people who don't necessarily need to be an expert at what they're doing at the point that you you hire them uh, but they need to be like part of yeah i guess also your brand and, uh, and your company and what you want to go for uh so from my own experience and my own career uh working in social media uh but also now working in i guess kombucha um is something that uh yeah i completely taught myself uh and therefore i really believe i strongly believe and if you want to do something uh, and if you want to learn something and if you want to be an expert in something, you can learn this if you have the right motivation. So um, I guess for for Yaya, we, we kind of like um, attracted a lot of people who became a fan of what we were doing. Um, I guess the drink itself, who, who became a fan of the drink and wanted to yeah, become closer to to the company and the brand. And uh these people would uh yeah just send like an open um open letter and uh, and see if they could work for us, so our brewer, who is now like a very experienced kombucha brewery,'s been working for us uh, almost from the beginning uh he worked in the kitchen, so he had some kitchen experience and um but but never worked in a brewery before, and uh, definitely mm. never. Uh, brewed kombucha before so this is something we uh learned him and now he even like out us i would say <laughs> um he has more experience than myself at this point um and also like our uh quality manager um she did um um yeah she she was schooled in quality management uh, quality management but uh never um yeah worked in quality management before so she graduated Um, at Yaya, and then we hired her as our first quality manager. So this is her first uh, uh, job. And then our operations manager had zero experience in managing operations and um, was just a fan of, uh, yeah, what we were doing. And her experience uh, was being an artist and an art teacher. So something completely different uh, as well. And I guess, like, forming a team, uh, with all the right people and uh, working together as like a, a good team, uh, to me is yeah much more valuable than uh, than hiring people how you would do the corporate way, I guess like um, yeah sending out a specific uh, description for a job and hire people that have done that for years and years. Um, yeah. So yeah, I guess it's a different a, a different approach.
1: <laughs> well, it seems to obviously have been incredibly successful, and you guys have grown. Um and you also, of course, mentioned and I think it's just indicative of the kind of um, organizations that you find in in kombucha that you you also benefited from working with other brands. i mean, it's mentioned in the video, we don't need to go into it, but people who let you use their bottling lines and so on. But what I'd like to maybe finish with is what's your future plans do you i mean you're you're available now, is it exclusively in the Netherlands or are you planning to? sell uh, your drink elsewhere in the eu or further afield or uh, have you got uh, plans so to uh, you know where do you see yourself in a couple more years time
0: yeah so it's, it's a very interesting question especially in these times where um we're all challenged <laughs> also yeah. i mean the eu is uh uh, it's very difficult now for, uh, to give you an example. Uh, I have a lot of family who live in Belgium, which is very close. It's only an hour and a half drive from where I live, uh, but we're not allowed to see them because the borders are closed at this moment. So, um, yeah, we'll have to see like um, how things will develop. Uh, these uh these coming months uh but for sure we've we've been actually approached by a lot of different companies in in a whole lot of europe european countries but even like farther than europe uh that were interested in in taking on and importing our products so uh we we know there's the, the demand uh but for us now the, the focus will probably be in on on Holland, but also uh uh, yeah closer to home european countries um Mm -hmm. but yeah like i said we'll we'll have to see like uh what is what is yeah possible what we can and what we're allowed to do um yeah yeah and i guess i guess for 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 us but a lot of different um yeah all, all the other like similar to us like local breweries i guess um yeah very different from the u.s it's not a kombucha not a established category yet so together that's how I, I truly yeah feel about it is together with all the the local kombucha breweries uh, we're establishing the category and uh um yeah this this goes very fast because it's it's yeah becoming very popular very fast in europe but it's also challenging because uh there's obviously uh, much easier and cheaper ways to to make kombucha than how we do it. So what we do is is, is yeah actually fermenting actual tea and actual sugar and and we add uh, fresh ginger juice etc. and exper- um, expensive ingredients like uh, yuzu juice or or hops. Um, but of course it's very yeah simple and uh, and yeah less expensive to maybe add like um, I don't know. A tea flavor, or or maybe not fermented, but add like a fermented uh, syrup to a to a product. And I feel that um, what is gonna be our challenge, but also yeah, like I said, uh, to other breweries around around Europe, is um, yeah to, to to stick with what we're doing. So to to stand for producing real kombucha that is fresh, unpasteurized, and uh, yeah, and not for like an easier and uh, maybe commercially uh, more attractive route and uh, yeah and be faster, uh, a faster growing company and and getting into the supermarkets faster etc what we're experiencing now is that a lot of Uh, companies uh, even existing companies like the the big companies are producing kombucha now as well and they're taking all these shortcuts so um, with uh, high demands and uh, yeah a lot of popularity also um, yeah a lot of different players come into the market and that means that there's a lot of competitiveness and if you're a small grown company you're also vulnerable Uh, especially in these times so what I wanted to say is that I really hope and will strive for that but I hope everyone also listening to the podcast and struggling um, and maybe thinking oh maybe I should make it simpler and and make money easier um, that will they will uh, stick to their plan and and and, and, yeah and keep producing fresh real kombucha. I think it's so important because um, a lot of People in Europe have never tasted kombucha before. Uh, maybe this is something that is um, difficult for you to imagine because kombucha in the U.S. is so common now. But a lot of people in, in Europe experience their uh, yeah first kombucha. And with every product, um, a drink or not even a drink, if you taste it and it's not good or it doesn't taste like natural or it doesn't taste right, uh, you'll probably never try it again. And I think that's a real risk. And uh, so everyone who is producing kombucha and uh, put it, putting it out on the market and, um, yeah, are are not, like, producing a, a, a high-quality product can really destroy, like, that experience for someone. And uh, so, yeah, that, that I wanted to, like, underline <laughs> a little bit more. Absolutely. Uh, th- Yeah, yeah, I think that's real important.
1: Yeah, I think what you're saying is very much what many of the companies who produce what we could call authentic kombucha feel. And, you know, it's a question of educating consumers. And it sounds like you've got some huge fans amongst the people who found your kombucha already who, of course, now tell our friends. And also the fact here we are, you know, after two of the most challenging months in in the world ever, You're still in business, which sounds like, yeah, you don't know where you're going once the coronavirus uh, situation is more resolved. But congratulations on having kept the lights on, so to speak, and and still producing great kombucha.
0: Thank you.
1: Yeah, it's been great (laughs) to talk to you. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to Booch News. For more about kombucha, please visit boochnews.com.